their land. Another translation says, I will heal their land. And I, I believe now more than ever, we need healing in our land, right? We need healing in our country. It's not, it's not about, you know, you're not going to solve this problem by arguing with people on Facebook. Let me tell you that. Your political views, right? And I get it. You see somebody that you don't agree with and it gets you mad. It gets you angry. I get it. You watch the news and they talk about all sorts of divisive stuff. But what I see here is that it's going to take prayer. The, the devil hates this country, let me tell you. The devil hates what, what we stand for. The, the devil wants to destroy. This country was founded on freedom and godly principles, right? But I believe there's, there has been a demon from hell sent loose to try to bring division but the answer is prayer. Amen? Even Jesus said, a house divided amongst itself will not stand. And the enemy knows this, right? And like I said, whatever your political view, whatever you stand for, whatever, however you feel, whatever side you're on, the, let me tell you this. The answer is prayer. The answer is not getting angry. The answer is not going rioting and causing all destruction. Yeah, we get it. People are angry, but the answer is prayer. The answer is Jesus. Amen? Let's just, let's just pray. Let's just right now just, just pray before we get into the word. Lord God, we just thank you, God. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you're leading us, that you're guiding us. We just ask, God, as we turn and we focus our eyes on you, God, and we turn from our ways, we turn, we humble ourselves before you. You are your people. You are our God. Lord, we ask that you just begin to heal our land. You begin to heal us. You begin to heal families, God. You begin to heal marriages, Lord God. Broken families, God. What the enemy is trying to divide, Lord, that you would bring back together, Lord Jesus. We thank you, God. Let us rise up and be the men and women that we are called to be. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody shouts. Amen. Amen. I just had to get that out there. So we are in a series called... What is it? Declutter my life. Does anybody remember the title of last week's message? You can take out your notes. Open book test. Anybody besides Simon who has the notes? What is it? Yes. Yes. So it was the weight of fear. That was one of the points. Let's give her a hand of applause. She was brave enough to... The weight of fear, and this series is based on Hebrews 12.1. And last week we talked about the weight of fear and how fear is always trying to grip you, always trying to take a stranglehold of your life. And if we let it, it would drive us to places we never thought we would go. It would affect our decisions. It would affect our growth. Fear will affect our habits. And even when all this started, this, this pandemic and everything that was, when it all started, stuff was closing down. And I saw how fear was affecting the church and affecting the business. And there is a temptation in me to want to worry. It's like fear was like, eh? Eh? Like, and I was there, and I was like, man, I was getting so tempted. Like, oh, God. But then I remember, like my dad was saying, I remembered how far God has brought me. I remember that God is my provider. I remember that God is my foundation. Right? 
And I felt like, I just felt in the spirit, like I just stiffed on fear, like Heisman, Heisman style, just like, like, get out of here, bro. And I felt like, I felt empowered when I remembered what all that God had done, right? That's what we got to do. We got to remember how far God brought us, that God is our provider. And even on the other side of this, things are getting back to normal, right? Are y'all excited about that? Stuff is opening up. Anybody back at work? Y'all excited? Y'all are happy to be working from home, right? Things are getting a little back to normal. And on the other side of this, I see like, man, God, you, you're my stabilization. You're my foundation. And I, I, lo- I love what James 4, 7 says. He says, um, resist the devil and he will flee. And that's what I felt like I did. I felt like I resisted the devil. And I was like, you know, I'm not going to let fear take a stranglehold and make me worry for nothing because, God, you got my back. And I, I looked up the, the definition of flee. So resist the devil and he will flee. Flee means to run away from a place or a situation of danger. Right? So when we resist the devil, the temptation to be fearful, the temptation to whatever, the devil doesn't just say, oh, okay, like, bye. No, he runs from a situation or a place of danger because you're empowered by the Holy Spirit. Right? The Holy Spirit is inside of you, and for the enemy, it's a place of danger. Amen? Let's read Hebrews 12.1, our foundation scripture. Since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. I love that. When I see that, when, when I, I read that phrase, I think about my grandpa and my grandma, they're, they're in heaven. My grandpas and, and family members that have gone before me and that are in eternity, they're like, yes, go, come on, we, do, you can do this, right? And I believe that some of you, that your, your family members have gone to pass, they're looking at you, they're like, come on, you can do this, you got this. Crowd of witnesses to the life of the faith. Let us strip off every weight. Turn to your neighbor and say, wait, strip it off. That slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. The title of today's message, if you're taking notes, is called The Weight of Condemnation. The Weight of of condemnation and and as I was meditating on this scripture I've read it a million times it's one of my favorite scriptures and this week when I was kind of meditating on it God showed it showed me from a different point of view see a lot of times the weight that we carry in life leaves us vulnerable to the sin that easily trips us up Let, let, let me give an example if you're just so stressed at work, and there's just so much pressure on you, you're vulnerable to be like, man, I just want to feel, feel good. And that's when the enemy can just creep in and be like, oh, remember, remember that website, or remember you used to drink, and, and remember this. Y'all get what I'm saying? When we carry the weight and the worry, maybe you're just worried about something and you're just like, man, I just want to feel better. And you're, carrying, you're trying to run your race with this weight and you're vulnerable. 
Maybe you're lonely and, and you, feel, you feel like, God, I'm just so lonely. And that's when the, you're vulnerable. That's when the enemy comes. All of a sudden you get that text. Hey, what's up? Hey, what are you doing tonight? Remember, hey, it's been a long time. Hey, remember we used to hang out back in the club? Like that was a lot of fun, right? See, when we carry that weight, it leaves us vulnerable to the sin that so easily trips us up. Y'all get what I'm saying? Anybody, anybody runners in here? You got any runners? Any marathon runners? Anybody ever run a marathon? My mom on the treadmill, a marathon. You would never catch me running a marathon, but I saw this. And, and I kind of like, if I was running a marathon, I think it would be a lot easier to just like, say like I had like a heavy shirt, it would be easier just to be like, whew, right, and keep my momentum. But when he says the sin that trips us up, when we allow sin to come into our life, we fall. It's a lot harder to get back up. Our momentum's gone, right? Sometimes we're hurt. Oh, man, we sin, we fall, we get back up, we feel condemned, right? Uh, Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you. Can somebody say amen to that? And not to harm you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. And sometimes we carry so much clutter in your life, and it hinders you from walking out and running the race that God has set you to run. Past fear, uh, fear past mistakes, condemnation, uh, sin, uh, money problems, family issues. And let me say this. As a church, we are here to help you find the plan and the purpose that God has for you, right? And I never want to be a church. And let me just say this from our heart or, or an organization, us, our vision, we never want you to come to church and feel condemned, right? The Bible says that, that God sent his son not to judge the world, not to condemn it, but, but to save the world through himself. And today I know there's probably thousands of people out there that are, had a bad experience with church, and, and I get it. Sometimes, sometimes church, as a church, we miss it. Rather than helping move the clutter and removing the junk Churches can add to it. Sometimes instead of feeling accepted, you get judgment. Sometimes instead of feeling love, you get condemnation. Instead of feeling uplifted, you feel beat down. And sometimes you can walk away from a church experience feeling more weight and more guilt and more shame and condemnation. And I never, we never want to be a church that makes you feel like that. That is not our heart. We, we want you to be lifted up. We want you to know that you are accepted. That we are, but at the end of the day, we're all running the same marathon. We're all running the same race. We're all running toward Jesus. We're all running toward our purpose. Yes, yeah, some start faster than others, right, like as in a race. Yes, yeah, some start, start sooner than others, but we're all here to help each other finish the race. Amen? We're all here to help each other, love one another, be there for one another. Hey, man, you, hurt, you fell down? Hey, let me help. Let me pick you. You messed up? Let me help grab your hand and help you pick you back up. Come on, let's keep going. Amen? And the truth is that we're, we're all guilty of sin. The Bible says that we've all fallen short of God's glorious standard. All of us has, have done something that, that we, we would be ashamed of. We're all a member of that club, right? But it doesn't mean you have to live in shame and condemnation. That's not the, the Christian way. That's not the way, that's not the abundant life that Jesus came to give you. Amen? 
And if that's you and you feel that today, that's a sign that you don't know what to do with that condemnation. You don't know what to do with that weight of condemnation that's slowing you down, that's killing your endurance. No matter what your past is, you're in the right place today. You're in the right sermon today. Amen? Am I right? And today we're going to learn how to deal with the clutter of condemnation that we can carry around. We're going to silence the voice of condemnation today and listen to the voice of God. Amen? God is the most important voice that you should listen to. Do you all know the second most important voice that you all should listen to? Some of you are like, my wife. It's actually yourself. And we're going to begin to understand how self-talk and just speaking positive to yourself Looking at yourself in a different way, because a lot of times that's how condemnation hits, when you see yourself in a negative light. And for most of us, can we be honest, it's easy to focus on the bad stuff, right? Maybe it's just easy to believe the bad stuff about yourself, and we, we tend to internalize the negative. And, and Satan doesn't help, let me tell you. He follows you around and whispers bad stuff in your ear. Maybe he even followed you to church today. But he's going to leave this place running, amen? He's in the wrong place today. Let me give you three ways Satan makes you feel condemned. Number one, first he says you're not accepted. Satan says you're not accepted. You don't belong here. You're not one of us. You don't fit in. Has anybody felt like that at church before? You, f- you look around, you feel like, man, everybody else has it all together, and I'm just messed up. Like, if people knew what I'm going through, like, they would kick me out. You know what that is? That's a lie of Satan, all right? We're a church that accepts everyone, no matter the background, where you come from, what you've done, what you look like. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. He didn't say go make disciples of this certain group who are good and religious and whatever. He said go make disciples of all nations, of all people. Amen? And that's what Christianity is about. When you listen to the lie that you don't fit in, you quickly become a conformer. You try to make actions, you try to make your actions live up to the expectations of others. And this is a dangerous way to live. If you remember in in 1 Samuel Uh, King Saul, he says, I have sinned. I have violated the Lord's command. I was afraid of the people, and so I gave in to them. What did he do? He he felt like he was accepted, so he conformed and disobeyed the word of the Lord. I was just remembering how in in middle school and, and, and high school, how how conforming it, it made you feel. I remember you had, you had to have the nice clothes, the name brands. Um, I remember when I was younger, the name brand was Tommy Hilfiger. And um, they had, there were some jeans called Jabos. Dang, that's a long time ago. Dude. I know these young, youngsters don't even know. They don't even know. I remember there were some, um, they had the Skecher boots. Do you all remember the Skecher boots? Who wore the Skecher boots? Those were a big thing. I remember in high school, everybody had these polo boots, and they were so expensive. And I was like, man, if I could just have those polo boots, 
I never got him, but I remember um, one time I got, I got a bunch of hand-me-down Tommy Hilfiger shirts from my cousin, and I was the man after I just felt like a million bucks. They were hand-me-downs, but I was like, man, they're Tommy Hilfiger, and everybody's just, just looking and jealous of how amazing my Tommy Hilfiger shirts are. Did anybody wear the Jinkos? Any Jinko? Does anybody know what that is? They were these massive, like, huge skater pants. And they were huge. Like, they were, like, like that wide. And I remember I was like, man, I want me some Jinkos. Man, those are so cool. And now looking back, it's funny how to see how they would look. Like, they look like a, just like a long skirt. You know, just people, just guys just walking with long skirts all the way to their feet. And now look, at, look how much style has changed. Now it's like skinny, tight jeans, right? But it's amazing how when we don't feel accepted, we try to, try to conform to what society and what people are saying. Maybe even conform financially. Where you're, you're trying to buy things. And you're trying to look a certain way to feel accepted. Like now... Like, now that I have to pay for my own clothes, I'm all about the sale. Who, who, who says amen to that, right? Like, this shirt is, like, $11.99 from TJ Maxx. So I'm good. Like, forget about it. The older you get, the less you care about name brands, right? But, but even, even as we get older, we could try to want to conform. And, and we, we, we still, right, even though it's just different. Now it's not name brands. Now it's cars. Now it's... Certain things, now, now we got to keep a certain status. And then we get into debt, and we put more weight, more, we bring more clutter into our life just because the enemy says you are not accepted. And just because you feel like you want to fit in and conform. So the first thing the enemy says, the first lie the enemy tells you says, you are not accepted. The second thing the enemy says is that, you're not good enough. The enemy says, you're not good enough. And let, let, me, let me just say this right off the bat. And not, it may not be what you want to hear. You may be shocked by this. But you're not good enough. I'm not good enough. No one is good enough. So let's just get that out of the way, all right? Let me explain. Jesus even says, no one is good. Only the Father in heaven who is good. Now, now, if we could just understand that and be humble enough to accept that, we can quit wasting our time trying to prove it to others that we're good enough. Y'all get what I'm saying? If we could just, okay, I'm not good enough. But God, you are good enough. So God, let me partner up with you. The sooner I quit trying to prove to others that I'm good enough, God, let me partner up with you. Then you can use me. Then you, you've placed, let me tell you, church, God has placed gifts and passions in each and every one of you. Amen? You have everything you need. You have everything it takes to reach your destination. Amen? You don't have to prove that to anybody. But now let's partner up with the almighty God who is good enough. 
and allow him to lead us and guide us and take us further than we ever thought possible. Take us further than what our good deeds or whatever we think we can could get us to. Let God take us further. Amen? And this is what the devil says. The devil says, you're not good enough, which is, is partially true. But then he says, but waste your time. Waste your energy. Waste your effort. Waste your finances trying to prove that to others. You're not good enough. But prove it, prove it to others that you, you are. Waste your time. Waste your purpose. Waste your destiny. Waste all your life trying to prove that you are good enough. And a lot of times, and, and I want to be sensitive in this area because I know this is real. A lot of times we carry childhood experiences and see God through the eyes of those experiences. Maybe you, were, you didn't feel, maybe you had a father that made you feel like you weren't good enough. Or, or, or older siblings who just like picked on you and made you feel like you weren't good enough. Or maybe peers uh, when you were younger that you wanted to be a part of and they didn't accept you. And they make you feel like you're good. And now we're looking at God and we're saying, God, I'm not good enough for you either. You ever feel like when you mess up and you feel bad? Anybody in here? Am I the only one? You mess up and you feel bad. And you get, you get this feeling like, man, I messed up. Now I have to start all over again. Anybody? You know what that is? Let, let's just identify what that is right now. That's condemnation. Right? Oh, man, I, I've, I've come so far. I've been good. I've performed good for a long time. And I tripped and I fail, now I have to start all over again. Anybody feel like that before? And then you feel like, why even try? Like, why even try? I've come so far. I don't want to have to go through that all over again. And I guess going back to the running example, when you're running a marathon, when you're running a race, Say you trip and fall. Do you have to get up and start all over again? No, you may hurt yourself. It may be hard. It may take up more energy. But still, you got to get up and keep running the race that God called you to run. Amen? Get back up. I know condemnation will be like, all right, you messed up, you fell, all right, back to square one. No, God is saying get back up. But that's why, it, that's why sin, it so easily trips you, trips you up. It, it stops your momentum. It's, it makes you feel like you got to start all over again. And, and it takes a lot of energy. It zaps. It feels like you can't get in the presence of God. But I understand when I feel God, when I, when I feel like I deserve God the least, that's when we need him the most. Amen. And when we listen to the voice of condemnation and not being good enough, we become a performer. The church becomes about performing. Uh, uh, Christianity becomes about trying to prove and try to show everybody, look how well I'm doing. Look what I'm doing. And that's not what it's about. Amen? We think we have to prove it to everyone and to God. Watch me perform. And if you remember in Luke 10, Martha had this, this uh, attitude. When she heard Jesus was, was coming to her house... 
she didn't feel like she was good enough. And the Bible says that she compensated that by performing. She began to clean, and she began to cook, and she began to prepare. And maybe some of you feel like you're not good enough. So you try to prove, you try to prove, you work extra overtime, and, and you be, as a child, you, you probably had to have the best grades and, and be the best in sports, or maybe you're, you feel like you have to be the perfect wife or husband or mother or parent to prove that you're good enough. But God is saying, hey, we've all fallen short. No one is good. Let's be humble enough to accept that. And God, let me accept your plan. My plans, my, my, my way of thinking is not good enough. It's not going to get me to my destiny. God, you are. So let me just get that out of the way. I don't have to prove nothing to nobody. But God, let me partner up with you. And you lead me. And you guide me. Amen? The third lie that, that the enemy tells you. He says you're not worthy. You're not worthy of love. You're not worthy of acceptance. You're not worthy of good things happening in your life. Anybody ever feel that before? Like, oh, nothing good ever happens for me. Maybe it's because I did something to deserve this. And that's what condemnation tells you. And, and a lot of times, people who have been abandoned often hear this voice. And, and I want to be very sensitive because I know this, this happens, and a lot of more people than you know deal with this. Um, maybe somebody left you when you were a child, and you felt abandoned, and you felt left. Maybe a spouse or, or a relationship, somebody left you, a parent or somebody, and now you feel like you're not worthy. There's a part of you feeling empty, and you tend to cling onto something or someone in hopes of filling that void that that person left. In John, if you remember in John 4, 17, that this is an amazing story where, where Jesus goes out of his way to talk to the woman at the well. And he's talking to her and he begins to minister to her. And he says, go get your husband. And this is what, what, what she says in John 4, 17. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have, no, you have had no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands, and the man you, are now, you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. And he's, he's just giving her revelation. He's speaking to her. In, in, in a spiritual sense, because this woman was a, a stage five clinger, if you ever knew one, right? She was a clinger, and, and she had been rejected. In my opinion, this is what I believe. It doesn't say this in the Bible, but I think she was suffering from a, a father wound that left her, a father maybe that had left her, and she was trying to fill this void. She began to cling onto any man who would accept her. And after a while, they probably got tired of her, of her clinginess because she was not whole. She was looking for a man to fulfill, fulfill her feeling of unworthiness, thinking that she didn't deserve better 
hoping maybe this one is the one that will fulfill my feeling of unworthiness. Constantly paranoid, living in fear. Oh my gosh, when is, it's just a matter of time before now this, this husband leaves me. And paranoid and living in constant fear. Oh man, when is he going to leave me? What's amazing about this story is that Jesus came to town just to speak to her life. I bet you people in town were like, oh, there's that woman again. Oh, she has another boyfriend. I know you see, probably see some friends on Facebook. Another dude? Wasn't she just with that other guy? But Jesus went out of his way just to speak to her. And Jesus was saying, what it is, what it is, it's a, it's a spiritual matter to this woman. I don't know, let's call her Sally. I don't know her name. Sally, what it is, is it's a spiritual matter that you're trying to fill with physical things. And he says, I'm here to give you living water. The water you drink, the physical that, that you're trying to get, you will be thirsty again. But the water I give, you will never thirst again. The fulfillment that I give you is going to fill you up. Y'all get what I'm saying? And that's what's so amazing about Jesus. And it's just time to stop listening to, to, to the enemy and start listening to, to the father of truth. Amen? Forget about what your life is according to Satan. A lot of times you see your life through the eyes of Satan. And it's bad, it's negative, He's, he, comes, he came to steal, kill, and destroy. It's time to start seeing your eyes through the lens of grace and through Jesus. Amen? All right, let me give you three truths that God tells us. So we heard what the enemy tells you. Let's hear what God has to say. Number one, in Christ, you are forgiven. It's in Christ you are forgiven. It's not by your performance. It's not because you've been good for this amount of time without falling. It's in Christ that you are forgiven. Because I think a lot of times we can have a, a, a religious way of thinking where it's all about performance. It's all about looking good. It's all about me looking like I'm all right to everybody else. And to be honest, most of, most of us in here, we're going through one thing or another. That's just the honest truth. We can try to mask it. We can try it. But the honest truth is we are all humans, right? We all go through stuff. And we're, either, we're going through something or, or, or another. One thing that you're weak in, I may be strong in. One thing that I'm, I'm weak in, you might be strong in, strong in. That's why we come together as a church. Amen? 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, and the new has come. Turn to your neighbor and say, the new has come. Y'all need to look at yourself in the mirror every morning after saying, like, man, you're just so handsome in the mirror. You're so beautiful. Begin to say, the new has come in this season of my life. Amen? Man, all the old sin, all the filth, all the dirtiness, it is not gone because of, of our performance. It is gone because of grace. Isn't that amazing? It's, sometimes it's so hard to believe. 
You mean I don't have to work for it? I don't have to earn it? I don't have to be on my best behavior? The blood of Jesus is so powerful and it cleanses all our sins. In Christ, you are forgiven. But if you, if you simply cannot forgive yourself, you're haunted by your past and, and what you did, you just can't get over it. You need to start seeing yourself through the eyes of grace. Begin to ask God, let me see myself through your eyes. Let me see myself through the eyes of grace. Let me just see myself through the eyes of my mom. Because in, my, in the eyes of my mom, I can do no wrong. I'm her little mijo. I'm the most handsome guy in the world. I'm the most best preacher out there through her eyes. Right? Yeah, you can, as, as your mom's out there, you, your little mijo can do no wrong, right? But let's start choosing to see ourselves through the eyes of grace, and, and that's how the Father sees us. In Christ, you are forgiven. Stop listening to the voice of the enemy. Romans 8.1 says this, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation. You're not condemned if you are living in Christ Stop living like you're condemned and start living like you're forgiven. Amen? And, and I said this before. Whenever you fall and you mess up, you feel bad, right? You're like, man, oh, God, I, I already prayed to stop doing that. God, help me. What you feel, that, that's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit, the, the devil condemns, the Holy Spirit convicts. And it, it's a godly sorrow. When you mess up and you feel convicted, you feel bad, you know why that is? It's because your spirit is alive. It's because you are in Christ Jesus. Your spirit is alive because you are forgiven. And, and I love this truth, and, and I heard a pastor say it, and it was just so, it just, it was just so encouraging. Spiritual, spiritually people, spiritual dead people, don't feel bad when they mess up. They don't feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. They don't feel bad. They don't feel like, man, because they're spiritually dead. They haven't entered into Christ Jesus. But when that's just a sign that you're forgiven. When you feel bad and you want to do better and you pray for forgiveness and you're, oh, God, I want to do better, that's because you are alive and you are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Get back up. You are forgiven. Get back up. You've tripped up. Sin so easily, yeah, it trips you up. But get back up. Yeah, it's going to take more strength. It's going to take understanding that, that you are forgiven, that you're still in Christ. Identify the weight that was holding you back. Identify the root and continue to move forward in Jesus Christ. Amen? Number two, the second thing that God says to you, in Christ you are secure. Turn to your neighbor and say, I am secure. I am secure spiritually. I am se secure financially, relationally. In Christ, I am secure. 2 Corinthians 1, 21, 21 says this. Now it is God who makes, us bo makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us. Turn to your neighbor, point at them, say, you're anointed. Set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit 
in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Isn't that amazing? God put the Holy Spirit inside of you as a down payment for you to get to heaven and to live an empowering life. Amen? You belong to God and he put his spirit in your heart. His spirit is your guarantee. Your guarantee is not your actions. Your guarantee is not your performance or your worth or your acceptance, but it's his spirit. You are secure because his spirit is inside of you. And let me close with this last point. In Christ, you are free. In Christ, you are free. John 8, 36. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. When Jesus sets you free, you're free from your past. You're free from your fear. You're free from worry. You're free, free from condemnation. You're free from negativity. Amen. You're free from what people say about you. You're free from the voices that lie to you. You're free from the addictions that held you. Amen. You're free to become all God has created you to be. The hope that, that for your future. The destiny. The prosperity. The plan. The purpose. We're free to pursue that in Jesus' name. And maybe you've heard stuff your whole life, negative stuff your whole life. Man, you're free from all that. You're, you're free from trying to prove your worth to somebody that, that hurts you. You're free from trying to, to, to perform and be good enough for somebody that left you. Hey, let's let all that go. Amen? Because condemnation is saying, hold on to that. Condemnation is saying, you're not worthy. You're not good enough. You don't measure up. You don't fit in. You don't belong. You'll never amount to anything. You're not as good as your brother. You're not as good as your sister. But in Christ, you're free from all that. Amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, I am free. Begin to start confessing it. Begin to self-talk. Talk to yourself. All the time. Like even if people think you're weird. It's all right. They don't understand. Who cares what they think? You have bigger things to worry about, right? You have a plan. You have a, pur a purpose. You have a destiny to get to. Destiny is calling you to greater. Destiny is calling all of us to greater, right? We're not meant to stay here. We're not meant to, 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 to run the race and fall and stay down. No, we're meant to get back up and keep running with endurance. Amen? Today is a day of destiny. I finished a book called Destiny by T.D. Jakes. I strongly recommend it. It is so awesome. And it talks about a lot of this stuff, like not caring what people say. Like, you got to move forward. It, I mean, it, it's going to take us. Every, the little strength that we have, but we have to partner with God. It's going to take us a lot, everything that we have, to get to destiny. But destiny is calling. Your purpose is calling. I don't know what weight you're carrying today. 
Maybe you haven't tripped up, but maybe you're carrying weight. Maybe you're carrying stress. Maybe there's a financial burden on you and that, man, it is just holding you. It is just, it just grasping your every, the every, every thought throughout the day. Maybe, maybe you're going through something that's just, it's just consuming your mind. I just want the peace of God to come and just strengthen you today. Amen? I, do y'all believe that God can do that even today? That destiny can start today? That God's plan and purpose for our life can start today? Not in the future. Oh, someday. When I read, when I read um, Jeremiah 29, 11, oh, he has a future and a hope. Some of you are like, oh, someday. Someday when I get that, finally get promoted. Someday when I get that relationship. Someday when, it, no, today. Destiny is calling out today. Are y'all going to listen? Are y'all going to strip off every weight that's holding you back? Amen? Let's bow our heads.